This is episode number 53 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. Today we are joined by Aditi Loveridge from Pregnancy Loss Healing. I will give you an introduction to Aditi soon, but I just first want to offer a content warning for today's show. We will be speaking about pregnancy and infant loss, so please do take care of yourself as you listen and opt out at any time if you need to do so. So Aditi, first of all, thank you so much for being on with us today and specifically to speak about this topic. We really appreciate your role as a support and coach, and we know that you have had loss experience yourself. So we're just really grateful for you to speak with us about this topic today. Thank you so much for having me and um, bringing this topic um, to your audience. Yes. So let me do a little bit of an intro to you and then we can talk more specifically about the work that you do. And then we'll get into a few uh, specific questions that I have and some that have come in from our listeners and community as well. So this is about Aditi. I've always been extremely passionate about women's issues. I've worked as a social worker in various sexual health and feminist organizations. My work in these organizations has provided me with an in-depth understanding of how a woman's past and present experiences shape who she is, the choices she is presented with, and decisions she makes. As a social worker, I've had the honor of connecting women with their inner strength and enabling them to make the best possible choices for themselves, their families, and their communities. The journey of miscarriage, subsequent pregnancies, and the birth of my daughter in 2013 furthered my passion for empowering women through this significant time in their lives. The journey into motherhood is a momentous life event, and every woman should be allowed to cherish her experience as her own. After I lost my second pregnancy, I found myself contemplating everything, my career, my deep-rooted beliefs, how to find balance, why I make certain choices, what values I held, and who I really was now. Everything you think you know to be true about yourself before losing a baby changes. This journey into motherhood opened me up in more ways than I was ever prepared for. It cracks open the darkest places of yourself, allowing a new light and wisdom to seep through if you allow it. Once a new understanding begins to seep in, there's no limits to the life that you can create for yourself, your children, living an angel, and your family. So beautiful. There's a few things in there that really stood out for me, especially when you say everything you think you know to be true about yourself before losing a baby changes. So for myself and Anita, my podcast co-host, this is not an experience that we have had. So we just really want to talk about this conversation, especially on the podcast here, because so many of our clients and our patients have had a loss experience. So Aditi, can you just tell us what do you do for work specifically? How do you support women, moms, and families through loss? And a little bit more about what brought you to this work. Um, so I support, so I'm a coach, so I was previously a social worker, um, and um, I also became a doula. Um, I see my doula work kind of as the um, universe provides. Um, all of the families I was supporting um, through my doula work had had a history of loss, and I just kept seeing how the needs of families and women, um, even after a birth of a rainbow, which is a baby born um, after previous miscarriage or infant loss, um, how the needs of these families, um, they were complex and grief continued to show up and anxiety and fear and overwhelm. Um, and I just 
and I remember being there myself. And so I created um, my business. And so what I do now is I, I'm a certified coach. And so I coach women, women in particular, I do see couples as well, if needed, um, women to kind of bring mindfulness in into their everyday experience, how to kind of move through um, the grief while also focusing on what's currently happening. So helping that anxiety and that fear to try to balance that out. The anxiety and fear never goes away. Um, it's about helping them understand that and how they can help manage that as they move through the journey after loss. And the journey after loss um, can be very long for many people. Um, I actually changed what I say, instead of saying after loss, I say the journey with loss. Because when I say, when I started to say after loss, it sounded like you eventually get to this place where you're quote unquote healed. And I don't, I don't, I don't know that we heal. I think that we learn to live with, with loss. And so that is where my support comes in. So when you, um, after the first three to six months, after your initial loss, when the world has kind of gone back to their normal and you um, are left to kind of pick up the pieces that's where I come in or if you're deciding to or actively trying to conceive again or if you're pregnant again or if you've just given birth to um, your rainbow baby but you're still struggling um, and learning how to kind of carry both or all of your children with you um, that's where I come in and I kind of, I mentor, I coach, so I ask questions and, um, kind of uncover maybe where people are getting stuck. Um, the foundation of my coaching is, um, helping women to go internally inward and finding the, their safety spots, as I like to call it. So, um, so that no matter kind of what's happening on the outside, they're able to create that security, that comfort, that safety for themselves um, so that they can manage life with loss. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful service that you provide. You. Are you comfortable telling us about your loss experiences? Yeah, so I, um, my first um, experience of motherhood was of loss. I, my very first pregnancy, um, was lost. It was a very traumatic loss that um, almost ended my life, and um, it and it that that was very very traumatic. And um, I wasn't given the space by society, um, medical caregivers, providers, um, employers, uh, some family, some friends to fully sit in the reality of what that loss meant that I had lost. Um, I had lost a baby. Yes. And then I had lost my first experience of what motherhood could be. And that for me was very, very um, heavy because when you're, you know, when you're a young woman and you think of starting a family, I, I don't think it's ever a part of that, that vision that that would be taken away inside it before it even starts. Um, and then we decided to try again and the second pregnancy also ended in loss. Um, and again, I saw, and, and this, and my second loss was a later loss. And again, I still was not given the space to sit with it. I got the, I'm sorry's the first couple of weeks, maybe the first two, three months after that three to six month point is when I saw everyone went on a, on with their life and I was left going what now like will we ever be able to have a child do I even want to go through this again because it was so uh, I the anxiety that stemmed from that um, the self-doubt the the I have been told my whole life right when you're in when you're a young woman teenager don't get pregnant don't get pregnant don't get pregnant I had worked so hard on not getting pregnant that now here I was um, be, you know, questioning the one thing that as a woman, I was taught that I should be able to do because I had to work so hard to not get pregnant. <laughs> so, um, 
it was very, very, um, it just completely um, turned everything that I believed and knew about who I was and who I was as a woman and what I wanted as a woman and a mother and a, a partner and all of these things that just completely turned it around. Um, then I, we decided to, to try again. Um, and, and there wasn't a lot of support for that in between. And that was a very anxious place for me, the trying again um, place. But I did find myself pregnant again for the third time. Um, and that pregnancy was, was met from society and friends and family um, with a lot of, yay, you're pregnant again. And inside, um, I had completely disconnected from that pregnancy. Um, from my life, from myself. I moved through the, those 10 months um, in fear, um, not allowing myself to even vision a baby coming home. And when baby did come home healthy and, and living and breathing, um, it didn't go away. It didn't go away because I had not dealt with it. Um, I suffered from extreme postpartum anxiety. My fear was that my child was going to be taken and my child was going to die. Um, so it wasn't until my kid's first birthday and I woke up and I looked at my husband and I was like, I missed it. I missed it all. I missed my, the pregnancy. I missed the first few, the first year of my child's life. I missed the milestones because instead of looking at, my child's first steps, I was comparing it to what I thought it should be, or is this normal? Is this not normal? I was so wrapped up in um, the fear and the, the grief and the anxiety of it all that um, I missed it. And so that's sort of where um, pregnancy loss feeling stemmed because I, I, I can understand, I can relate to where some mothers are and I just want to hopefully help them be able to, um, not miss out. Yes. I think that so much of what you're saying is probably extremely relatable to those who are listening who have experienced loss. I can just imagine them nodding in agreement with all those feelings that you were feeling and probably so similar to their experiences too. One thing that I was thinking a lot about in preparation for this episode and what you have mentioned multiple times now is how the expectation is on the woman to just get back to life. Our society wants us to be productive. There's no space to grieve. Like you just have to get back to it. That must be so horrifying. Yeah. We live in this society, like um, the, the, Western society, particularly, we we don't talk about we don't talk about things that are uncomfortable. So the expectation with that message that's being sent to to anybody um, is just push through, get through, you'll get over it, you'll be fine. And um, that's just simply not true. It's so damaging if we do not um, acknowledge that this is a very number one. This is a very real loss. Number two, um, it changes you. And number three, um, you can't push your way out of grief. You have to be allowed the space. Um, and, and when I say allow the space, I mean, even in turn, like yourself saying, I need the space um, to sit with the grief. You need to be, get really comfortable with the, with the uncomfortable emotions so that they can transform into something else. Otherwise, they will not have that opportunity um, to do so. And then you will see just like kind of my um, experience and a lot of my clients, when you're not allowing that space, they, um, they don't go anywhere. They, yeah. they just get bigger. Yeah. How do you help someone, teach someone to sit with that grief? What does that look like? So it can look like a lot of different things. So I talk a lot about how um, we as humans, we, this is what makes us human is that we have the ability to experience a whole range of emotions um, from moment to moment, day to day, like minute to minute. This is what makes us human. So if we are striving to only feel happiness or peace, 
we're doing ourselves a serious disservice. We're actually going against what it means to be human. And so we have to begin to start feeling comfortable with the fact that in the day, sadness, frustration, anger, anxiety, they are going to be there. So learning about not fearing that, acknowledging that this is here and not trying to push it away. The moment you make friends with an emotion and not try to push it away is when that emotion starts to dissipate on its own. It's when we start pushing away that resistance piece, it doesn't go anywhere. So we do, society does this in many ways. Um, We numb ourselves, we go on social media, we eat, we drink, we work out, we do anything but experience that emotion. And um, so a big bulk of my work is to how do you go through that emotion in a way that feels safe for you? So that looks different depending on who's in front of me. But we start very small in small ways um, to build, again, that safety, that safety spot internally. Um, because at the end of the day, the emotion's not going to um, go anywhere if we're not getting comfortable with the fact that this is what the human experience is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such important work for all of us on so many levels. Yeah, and I mean, this is like, yeah, across the board, whether it's pregnancy and infant loss or, I mean, with anything, right? We have to begin to acknowledge that us as humans, that's what makes us human. Yeah, not comfy. Not Not comfy, comfy, (laughs) not comfy. But it's so so empowering when I see my clients um, come back to me and they're like, I had this really awful thought and instead of going to my pick your choice of numbing um, avoidance mode I was able to just sit with it and how that result that innate resilience that 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 we have as humans kicks in and carried me down to the other side and when they come back and they see that the empower the empowerment that's behind it is oh gives me goosebumps like it's to me, that is just, um, it's magic. It's medicine. It's, 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 it's life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was going to say that too, as you were talking, just full body goosebumps as you're describing it. Okay. So I want to ask you about early pregnancy loss. First of all, what is considered an early pregnancy loss and how common do the statistics show that this is? So an early pregnancy loss is considered to be 12 weeks um, and under. Um, it, the statistics show that one in, well, one in four um, pregnancies will end in loss. Most of those statistics are 12 weeks and under. Um, that go, but that is, a, the statistics are very, um, I don't like to focus on them because those are women, number one, that knew they were pregnant. Um, there's a lot of loss that happens with women who didn't even know that they were pregnant. Um, so statistics are, um, I'm just cautious about them. Um, but yeah, so it's usually described as 12 weeks and under. So first, first trimester loss is considered early loss. Okay. I've had many clients who have had an early pregnancy loss and for them, I feel like they've had some confusing feelings come up, some things that we've touched on, but first that it was so early that perhaps their grief is not warranted or that they should get over it quickly. They should be ready to try again soon. Do you see similar things in your practice? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest, um, especially like you said, with the early um, pregnancy losses. Um, Yeah. There's no, room again for acknowledgement that this was a baby um the moment a a woman finds out when and and it's a wanted pregnancy is when that woman becomes a mother and so all of the decisions she makes from that point um she's doing in as a mother and so it's not only the loss of this baby but it's also this vision this dream of what her life looks like so I mean that moment that you kind of get that positive pregnancy test when it's a wanted pregnancy um, you're envisioning you're envisioning your child's first steps your child's graduation your child's wedding your child's all of these firsts and then when that's taken away 
you it, all of that goes away. So it's it's a very it's a disenfranchised grief that's not um, met by society with a lot of compassion and understanding. But it is a loss. It's a loss of a child and all of the hopes and wishes and dreams that that could have been. Yes, thank you for bringing that up because I think that that is, um, it could possibly be somewhat misunderstood for people who haven't experienced loss. That it's not just the loss of that baby, but as you said, the vision and the what could have been mm-hmm. on so many different levels. Yeah, and the one thing that as well with early pregnancy loss is a lot of these women, whether they miscarried naturally, so with without a DMC or not, um, it's a birth. You birth that that baby, um, whether it's natural or with a surgical birth like a DMC. That that baby was birthed, and so a lot of uh, I think that if we can start to as a society reframe that, that um, it wasn't just a lot like only a loss. It you you birthed this baby that you did not get to hold in your arms and. Uh, what that does emotionally and physically to a woman is it's impactful. Absolutely. I'm wondering if you can speak to that process of miscarriage a little bit more. So what are the options for someone in birthing that baby? If it is an early pregnancy loss, as you mentioned, birthing that baby perhaps at home or if it's a surgical DNC birth, what does that process look like? So it looks different for for many women, depending on where they're at and what their bodies are needed. Some women's body, um, the way that they realize that they're um, having a miscarriage is their body starts to cramp or there's blood, um, and that will be their signal. And so their body automatically begins to um, miscarry the, the pregnancy. Um, for a woman, let's say, who goes to an ultrasound and has no bleeding, no cramping, goes to the ultrasound and finds out that baby stopped growing or there's no heartbeat, um, she will likely be given um, the option of having a DMC or waiting for a period of time and allowing maybe to see her body um, will let go of the pregnancy naturally. So on its own, um, when I say naturally, just on its own. Um, So that's Often and that decision is given to to mothers, um, and I often get calls at that point. Like I don't know what to do. I don't want to wait, knowing that there's a baby inside of me that that is not going to live. Um, but then, oh, I mean, DMCs they can be scary, and but same with the alternative. So. Um, it's really about getting very comfortable, again, getting to know you and what feels right for you. Um, and so there's women that choose to have the DMC for various reasons. And then there's women that choose to miscarry um, at home. And what that looks like is again, just waiting, letting the body, the heart, the mind kind of all come to terms. Cause that's usually when a woman will, if it's a missed miscarriage, that's when the body will let go when our, when everything is in alignment. Um, and that takes a little bit of time sometimes. Um, and and if, if she does choose to miscarry at home, it can oftentimes, again, depending on the body and depending on how far along she was, um, it is a mini labor for a lot of women. And that's a misconception. A lot of women are told it's like a period. I was told that, um, and it was not. It was a, it was a mini labor um, and birth and, yeah, so, um, and there's that, that fear of, of doing that. It, that can be scary too, but um, it looks different for every woman. It looks different for every family. It looks different depending on gestation. And, um, but again, every, whatever choice a, a woman decides to make, um, she just has to feel as comfortable with that decision as, as one can in, in this situation. Mm-hmm. I was reading what you had wrote about your second pregnancy loss and that experience of allowing the miscarriage to come, allowing that birth to happen at home for you. And that was a very powerful read. We'll definitely link it in the show notes. I was crying my face off last night. Oh. 
Yeah, that was, and it was, um, my first pregnancy was, uh, um, it was a surgical intervention. So that's why I thought with the second one I would, because there was a lot of body mistrust that was happening for me. And so I wanted to see if my body could, could um, miscarry on its own. And it took a lot of reflection, a lot of meditation, a lot of in, internal work, um, because my heart wasn't ready to let go. So my body was holding on. Once my, once I was able to get to that space where my heart and body were in alignment, that's when um, the miscarriage started. And it was, it was a very painful, but very, um, for me, empowering um, experience, because though it resulted in a baby that, um, that I didn't get to hold, um, it, it, I was able to regain a little bit of that body trust that even though it was a miscarriage, my body didn't know what to do. How long was it from the time where you found out that baby, uh, was there no heart rate? Is that how you found out with that second pregnancy? Yeah. Until the time that you miscarried. How long was that time period? Five weeks. Five weeks. Which is a very long time. Yes. Cannot imagine how you went through that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it was, it was very, very long. Um, of course, it was in consultation with my doctor because um, they want to make sure you're not, there's no infection and that sort of thing. Um, so I would be checking in with the doctor weekly, making sure that I was still okay to wait. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I, I was, I took time off work. I, um, I wasn't, I wasn't met with understanding from my employer at that time, but um, it was very necessary for me personally to, um, just wait and allow allow that experience to happen. So it was it was tough, very tough. Mm-hmm. I want to circle back to what you said about often people are told that the experience of a miscarriage will be like a period, and how mm-hmm. that that cannot be the reality for many people. Mm-hmm. That there can be much more physical pain that occurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had contractions. Yeah. It was full on. Contraction started with some cramping and increased just as labor um, does. And then, yeah, it was it was a labor. It was a birth. Um, I was told it was going to be a peri- like a period. So very, very, very different. Mm-hmm. One of my clients was mentioning that she would love for you to speak about any experiences you've had with supporting moms who are IVF mamas and miscarriage because um, she, her baby was conceived through IVF mm-hmm. and can only imagine that the emotions must be, or generally speaking, even more heightened mm-hmm. uh, surrounding a pregnancy under those circumstances. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I definitely work with, um, because unfortunately, the reality is there's a lot of uh, families um, who have recurrent miscarriage, and they do have to either do IUI, IVF, um, and yes, and there can be loss. That's that's a result of of that, just like any pregnancy. Um, So you definitely work with um, moms who have had that. And yeah, there's definitely a difference. there's another level of complexity for sure in the emotions that they experience. Um, and I even work with moms, like whenever I work with women, I always say that I work with women who have had pregnancy or infant loss as defined by them. So I will even work with moms who've never had a quote unquote miscarriage or infant loss, but have had a failed IVF cycle. Um, because to me, the emotions from what I've heard from clients and things like that and, and seeing the community is they're very, very similar to that of uh, a miscarriage. Um, so, or a missed adoption, any of those types of things. Um, I will work with them. Um, I've worked with quite a few. Um, yeah, it's really about um, providing that space so that these moms, all of us moms who have had any sort of loss as defined by us, understand that it, A, it's valid, it's real, and you have that right. And it's such a gift to yourself to be able to have a platform in which you can speak about it safely. 
Yeah. That's such a great, such a great point about, yeah, loss defined by the person who is experiencing it. Yeah, that's why, like, when you asked the question miscarriage, early miscarriage is when it, when is it defined, I, it's, to me, I'm like, the person in front of me gets to define what they define as loss or early miscarriage or late or because that is the most relevant um, person to tell me what that is. So that's why I kind of was like, well, it is 12 weeks and under, but I mean, it's, it's how a person defines it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. If we could talk about stillbirth now, I think that that would be important for us to touch on. Can you define what that is? So stillbirth, um, again, the statistic, the, the name of it, I believe stillbirth, don't quote me on this, I believe it's considered 24 weeks and over, but don't quote me on that because it, it kind of always changes. Stillbirth is a later term pregnancy and infant lost. So that could be all the way up until 40 weeks, um, 40 week full term pregnancy loss. Um, yes. So again, I don't know the exact weeks because for me personally, I mean, over 20 weeks, over 18 weeks, I, I don't know. I consider stillbirth again, should be defined by that mother. Because uh, sometimes miscarriage is used for after, well, miscarriage is used for after 12 weeks, and I don't necessarily, that that's the best term. Miscarriage in general, I don't agree with the term miscarriage, <laughs> basically. Um, so stillbirth can be defined by by that person, but it's generally a later pregnancy or infant loss up to um, 40, 41, 42 weeks of pregnancy. We had a mama in our community uh, birth stillborn baby at 38 weeks this past June. And it's, yeah, really, of course, heartbreaking experience. I've learned a lot from her through this experience. Uh, The importance of saying baby's name, asking about the baby, honoring the baby's birthday, um, mom's experience through that time. Um, Could you speak to us a bit more about that side of things? Yes, like the honoring, like for what family, like what people can do? Yeah, I think there's sometimes um, some fear or discomfort Mm -hmm. people about talking about the baby, but how it can be really meaningful. Yeah, for, so that's the thing again, right? As a society, we're very uncomfortable with going towards anything that's uncomfortable. So um, generally speaking, yeah, speaking the baby's name, acknowledging birth dates, anniversaries, are, are, can be very, very meaningful for for moms who've experienced any loss. And um, that being said, it's always it's always for me. I, I think asking the mother, asking the family, like, hey, I or being honest. This is this is what I say. Being honest, like, I don't really know how to what to say or how to say it, like. Um, would it be okay if I talk about, talk about whatever baby's name is, Frank or like Emily, whatever. Um, and if, or if you say the name and they, and they cry, understanding that, maybe understanding those tears, asking like, are you okay? They're, pro- they're speaking the baby's name isn't going to make them more sad. It's not going to remind them that they've lost a child. They know. It's at the forefront of their mind and heart. What speaking that child's name does is remind them that it's also on your heart. And so it can be very powerful. Um, but just having that honest conversation too, right? I think as, as um, people, <laughs> we don't want to make mistakes. But again, that's a part of the human experience. So if you make a mistake, just say, you know what? That, was, that wasn't what I meant to say. Or I'm just sorry, can we start over? can I press the reset button? Like, I didn't mean, that's not what I intended here. And, and if we're honest, it, it, most of the time people appreciate that. They appreciate you making a mistake and being honest about it more than not saying anything out of the fear of making a mistake, if that makes sense. Yes. I love that. That's great 
advice. That is um, a way that I will often start up conversations that I'm kind of uncomfortable to have is literally just say, I don't really know the best way to say this. It makes me a little bit nervous to bring this up and then following it up with whatever you need to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Honesty. I think that's appreciated. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And that mama who experienced stillbirth earlier on this spring, we're talking about this episode and I just want to read what she said. Yeah. She said, I would suggest touching on miscarriage after stillbirth. I have not experienced this, but sadly, it seems to happen with relatively high frequency with pregnancies immediately following stillbirth. No Mm -hmm. stats to support this, just watching many fellow lost moms go through this experience, how a miscarriage might be experienced differently for a family who has experienced stillbirth. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to this? Yeah, so... um... It adds so many different emotions from what my clients have have said. Um, it adds that emotion of, am I ever going to be able to have a child? It adds some people, they want to honor the miscarriage in the same way that they were able to honor that stillbirth, but aren't able to find a way. So there's some levels of guilt on how do you honor both babies when the experiences were different. Um, so definitely there's, there's definitely a layer, lots of layers of emotion, which again, speaking about that, right. Um, just as, as that mama and I'm so my heart goes out to her and I'm so grateful that she offered that, um, question like that mama who had the silver, it speaking about the realities again of life with loss the journey didn't end with the stillbirth it can continue and there's no guarantee of a baby coming home and talking about that because a lot of people just want to make it okay like we'll get there someday and we we don't know that and she'll saying that to a mom who's now had a stillbirth and such a good miscarriage after um that can be really hard to hear because it's just that they don't know that that's true. So having a safe space to speak about their emotions um, and what that's doing, even saying, I'm feeling guilty that, because for some moms, the miscarriage doesn't affect them as much as a stillbirth. Some women have the miscarriage and it completely shatters them. Again, it's very independent, very different for every person and every, every, um, scenario but it's important then to speak about the reality of what's happening for you to be like I don't know I'm holding this guilt or I'm having this feeling and I'm having this fear or whatever that case might be speaking about it because I fully believe the way that we support this community um fully is for us the moms who have experienced loss to speak fully speak about the realities of that loss um, I see blog articles written all the time about like um, top 10 ways you can support a, a great, like a mom who's experienced stillbirth or miscarriage. And those are very great. Uh, of course, those are very great. Um, 99% of the time, actually 95% of the time, the people reading those articles are people who have experienced the loss. Mm. So what that does is it only furthers our, our isolation and a and feelings of frustration and, uh, and upsetting that we didn't receive that type of support. So how do we get the, the support that we actually need is to speak up fully about the realities of loss, the, the full, the ugliness, the heart, the heartbreaking, the, the, tra- the trauma of loss. Don't sugarcoat it because this, this is our reality. So I'm going to speak up and I apologize to you if it makes you uncomfortable, but guess what? I am uncomfortable. And the only way you can understand what life after, after and with loss is, whether it's miscarriage, stillbirth, miscarriage again, failed IVF, missed adoption, is for us to sit very comfortably in that truth and start to speak up. Um, so part of my work is to help women on how they can do that. Um, begin to begin to speak so that... Um, at a time when it's 
appropriate for their in their journey to speak up so that the community as a society we can start to um, fully appreciate the the trauma of of miscarriage stillbirth and uh, infant loss. Yes. So I don't know if that really answered that mama's question. <laughs> um, it was a bit of a rounded way, but because it, it's just so different, so it's hard to speak on one specific because I see such a range of um, emotions in loss. So. Absolutely. Yeah. The answer will always be an it depends situation. But yeah, and I and I'd hate to make an overarching um answer because that's just not true. And and, and even me as a person who's experienced loss, I can I never want to say I understand what you've been through because I, I can relate, but every situation, every experience is very different. Yeah. Yeah, that's important to hear. Mm-hmm. I also want to, I think that this is such a great point that one of my other clients who is currently going through an early pregnancy loss brought up. So she says, this is still super fresh for me, but one thing high on my radar is that I don't want to get into a war with my body following this miscarriage. I can see me easily going down the path of thinking that I, if I do all the in quotations, right things, eat the right foods, take the right supplements, do the right exercises, etc. And somehow I can avoid another miscarriage. I know logically this is not true, but the vortex is powerful. So perhaps touching on the mind-body relationship after loss would be helpful. Yes, the, it's such an important piece, the mind-body relationship, that distrust. And then um, so often what I will work with clients with is um, changing the focus a little bit. So instead of eating the right foods to get pregnant, to try to quote unquote fix a problem, we're eating the right foods to continue to nourish our body and then listing all of the things our body does do for us on a daily basis. Um, and really focusing, focusing on intention. I So we have intention, then we have outcome. We cannot control the outcome, but we can do things very intentionally. So focusing on the intention in which you're doing it in and shifting that perspective again from, okay, you are not broken. We, all of us women who have lost, um, we are not broken. And And we need to understand that we are not broken. So going in very intentionally with doing all the quote unquote right things, um, to remind yourself that this isn't about fixing anything. It's simply to continue to nourish this body that does provide me. And then you can list all of the many things that it did provide you. Um, Cause there are many things that your body does provide you. Um, so sort of helping to shift that perspective from a fixing place. Cause the moment you try to fix something, you're implying to your heart, your body, your mind, that it is broken. And that's simply, it's just not true. So, um, you know, working out because you want to gain strength, eating because you just want to continue to fuel and feel the best of your abilities, taking those vitamins just to help support your overall wellness, um, meditating because that helps, um, align body, mind, and heart, um, things like that, but you're not trying to fix anything. Is that, kind of makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I love that advice. And I love how you mentioned um, approaching this from a nourishment perspective. That's Mm -hmm. something that I talk about a lot with my clients. So yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, nourishing is is, is very, very important. And, 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 you know, shifting that language too around it, right? Like using more affirming, affirming languages for, for, for yourself, because, um, that's important. (laughs) It makes a difference. Yes. I want to ask you about the courage of trying to conceive again after a loss. I know that you touched on that, but I can only imagine how much fear and anxiety that could come up around that time. So is there any advice you can give to moms who might be experiencing that right now? I don't know if there's advice that I can give. I just know for, um, for me, I get asked a lot, like a lot, like this must be such hard work that like, it must be so hard. Um, 
and, and yes, it's definitely hard for sure. But I have to say that meeting women who have had loss of, of any kind of as defined by them, and I see them to make decisions. So either making that decision not to try again because that's what supports their mental their mental wellness, or deciding to try again, um, having that courage to move forward in love, in love of self, in love of that dream of building a family. Having that courage to do that to me is one of the most powerful acts that that we as women can do. It takes so much courage to journey through motherhood um, after loss, whatever that looks like for you. So whether you've decided, you know, I've had enough, and put, taking that stance of saying, I'm putting, I, I, I'm not putting my mental health through this, so I'm I'm going to stop trying, or saying having that courage to say, despite not knowing what could happen, I'm taking a step forward to try again. That to me is like the ultimate courage and it is the ultimate um, act that you could do so deeply rooted in love that um, this is, that's why I do this work. Because when I see women and these mothers making these choices, it simply, it just moves me. It brings me to tears because I have never met such phenomenal, phenomenal people ever in my life. And they inspire me beyond, beyond words. So I don't know that there's any advice, but know that whatever decision that you're making, um, even though there's fear, fear means that you, that there's love there. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I, there's no advice, just knowing that it's reminding yourself that this, even though there's fear, it's still this decision, whatever that looks like is rooted in love, rooted in love for self, rooted in love for this dream and desire to build, build a family. Yeah. That's a beautiful answer. I have one more question for you. Um, I'm interested if you offer post-abortion support because I think there perhaps is misconception well so many misconceptions around abortion to begin with but I think one is that there would be no hard or uncomfortable or tough feelings after an abortion because someone is choosing to end this pregnancy mm-hmm. what do you see in this realm mm-hmm. absolutely um, I would 100% um, do post-abortion because um, uh, to me if a woman is struggling, again, with loss as defined by her, it doesn't matter what that sh- the circumstance was or is or could have been. The point is, is that I will support you. You need to say, we all deserve a space to show up, be seen, speak without judgment, um, and to talk about it. Because otherwise, like I've said before, if we aren't speaking about it, those emotions don't have the opportunity to transform into anything else, um, into something else. So absolutely, I work with any mom who needs support. So whether that's post-abortion or ending a wanted pregnancy due to um, prenatal prenatal diagnosis as well. Um, so absolutely, support for me, support is support. A woman who needs support, she will get that. Thank you for that. Last question for you. How can we better support friends, clients, patients who have gone through a pregnancy loss, are going through a pregnancy loss? Um, be there. Be honest. Um, be mindful um, of what you're saying, how you're saying it. <laughs> um, don't make assumptions. So because you know this woman has experienced pregnancy or infant loss at this time, don't make an assumption this is her first. Don't make an assumption, um, just don't make assumptions, I think, is probably the the brunt of it. Um, So not make assumptions, asking questions, being honest, um, apologizing if you make a mistake, showing up in this experience of being human, right? and being comfortable with that. You're not going to be perfect. None of us are, myself included. Um, there's a couple things in this podcast where I'm like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know if that was the right thing, right? Um, we're not perfect. 
and that and that and it's okay to not be perfect so but having the passion the intention to hold these women in love and safety um focus on that and i think the rest will will follow Adidi, where can we find out more about your work um, so I, uh, my website is www.pregnancylosshealing.com and, um, I do virtual coaching. So wherever you are in, in, uh, the world, I do it via Skype, FaceTime phone. Um, if you're local to Calgary, which is where I am, I also do in-person uh, sessions and, um, I have now just for Calgary very recently as of yesterday. Um, I have expanded my support services. I have not, I've now gained a nonprofit status and I will be operating Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center, which will give uh, women and families uh, some more options um, in their supports for what they think that they need in that moment um, and where they're at for their loss journey. So um, I don't have a website for that one yet, but if you Follow me on Instagram or Facebook, um, which again is Pregnancy Loss Healing. We'll have continued updates on what that looks like. So, so cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. It's interesting because now my social work and my coaching, I'm a mindfulness meditation teacher. So all over the world are just kind of colliding and um, hopefully filling some of the gaps that I'm seeing in the community um, here in Calgary. Incredible. Such important work. We will post all those links in the show notes for this episode. Aditi, thank you so much. Again, just so grateful to you for coming on and having this conversation with us today. Yeah, and thank you so much for having this, you know, not easy, um, challenging at times conversation and bringing pregnancy and infant loss um, to a larger uh, platform. I really appreciate that. On the next episode of To Birth and Beyond... We have such a special conversation. Anita shares her birth story with her second baby, which was just a couple of months ago, and tells us all the details about how that birth of baby Jack went. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 